0: So welcome back to another episode of the podcast, We Work In Avis, a podcast that is designed to share about technology for AEC industry. We want to share with everyone to provide feedback, to provide tips, uh, the best advice we can about how to use technology, what are the advantages of using technology in your projects, because it changes all the perspective. Since you start to the, from the concept to you actually go to the construction site and also for uh, maintenance of the project. And today we have Dominic Sousinger, that uh, a new guest that is uh, with us today in the podcast of AVE. So welcome Dominic, how are you? Welcome Samuel, thanks for the int- invitation. I'm really fine today. Excellent, excellent. So today we're going to discuss a little bit uh, uh the topic we we choose, the citizen of CAD tools. Uh, we're gonna talk about what's the uh, importance of using uh, the tools and how it's, it changed from CAD to the new uh, technologies that we have nowadays in the in the industry. And uh, but it, it has been it has been like um, a really funny evolution on the process. On since we start like doing drawings and then we start doing uh, drawings in the computer. In, this, in these uh, CAD tools and then we started doing 3D models, information models, data-driven design models, and we kept going with this. Um. But uh, before we start, I mean, uh, why want to you, uh, you tell us a little bit about you and, uh, and your background and what, what is the thing that you love most about technology? Sure, thanks.
1: So um, I was actually trained as an architect um, then I started to work as a traditional architect, I would say. I've been working like in, in Tokyo, Luxembourg, Vienna, and some other places around the world. And the last spot where I was working um, in Vienna, that was actually the place where I started to really develop my interest in like information technology within the building industry. Um, the reason for that was back then in that office, we were designing many, many um, grocery shops in In Austria, and the thing is like there there was one person sitting there always trying to design a floor plan. and in Austria, you have to imagine you had you had to always fit the shops into existing irregular floor plans, some very super old buildings. and you always had the strict rules for these uh, floor plans. So there was a trained engineer sitting there trying to push around like rectangles for four weeks to fit as much space into that. And back then I was really wondering, like, is there really no smarter tool out there? Is someone really who studied architecture pushing around rectangles, keeping on measuring distance and all that stuff? That's not the thing. So I went to the ETH uh, in Zurich for the uh, chair of Ludger Oberstadt, uh, CAAD, so Computer Aided Architectural Design. Uh, which is about all kinds of information technology in the building industry. So it was really a very broad approach. So we started to, to program 3D stuff. You could as well directly um, control. They had a lot of CNC machines there. So it was about controlling the CNC machines directly to the model. We were programming small robots with microcontrollers and sensors. It was really a very broad field super interesting thing and then afterwards yeah after being at the eth the question was what to do with that now because like back then it was 2009 or something 2010 and most offices still and nobody while well, grasshopper was still super new so um to most of the people out there when you told them well there's the possibility to automate processes and all that stuff they would just have a big question mark on their head. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they just didn't believe you when you told them, hey, we can write a program to optimize or optimize whatever thing. And so the only business which was working already back then with this new kind of technology was like in the design, or what we at least did, was in the design of um, uh, realizing complex building shapes. So all this did stuff out there and mm-hmm. this curve, whatever. Because like um, either you do it manually or you automate it and so then automating thing that was the thing so we started our first company Imagine computation that was doing the thing it was me and a partner and first we were doing like small interior projects or fast stands for porsche mercedes and and that stuff and then we got more into more into the facade business and now currently we just about to finish the new Google headquarters in London, uh, working nice. for that, so we really got a major step forward the uh, the recent years, and um, yeah, so that's the thing. And two years ago, then we we started uh, our new company Renzo, um, that is dealing now with developing CAD software tools. Yeah, right,
0: this no, this sounds great, like a. Plenty of experience and uh, definitely plenty of opportunity to experience the evolution of uh, the technology through the projects. Because uh, I mean, uh, to, to my experience, every time that you start working on a project and you discover a new tool, a new bottom, uh, a new software, uh, and you start like playing around, there's plenty of opportunity and plenty of creativity to actually approach the project in a different way. And, oh, and. Once you start like, using the technology, the results that you get and, and the product, your final product is completely different to what it used to be uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, because technology is moving faster and, and more people is using it nowadays, but still, like uh, most people that is using technology is more in the technical side of the technology. Cool. Sometimes it's important that we have a big understanding of uh, the overall image of what technology can do for us. And actually, be 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 aware if the technology that we are choosing is the right one for our project, because uh, uh, it's not the same doing a building that is uh, a commercial building, like uh, for apartments, and then uh, definitely a yeah. Sahar building, which is yeah. uh, it's more uh, a design, more like a yeah. complex shape, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. And uh, if it's a infrastructure project that uh, we're talking about bridges and. Uh, I don't know, uh, metro stations and stuff like this. Uh, So there's different challenges and there's different type of information for sure. And I I really like that nowadays we can actually choose what's best for a project, what's best for the type of work that we choose and develop. Uh, And we still need to share information between all of the disciplines and between all the participants, which is another challenge. But, uh, but But it's changing, so... Knowing this about your experience, you definitely know that, I, that uh, there's many options out there and there's many possibilities when you use technology and, and to start going for our topic, the citizen of CAT tools. So why, what do you believe that um, or which are the reasons that CAT tools have become so important for the, for the AEC industry? I guess the i mean the, the reason
1: for why they got so important is actually quite simple, I guess, because on the one hand uh mm-hmm. complex and their whole or the whole design of architecture and their whole infrastructure got more and more complex, so there's no other choice so mm-hmm. you're not talking only about uh buildings or whatever, but any regular architecture today is already super complex compared to like i don't know forty years ago and forty years ago you just you quite often didn't even read a, need a plan, right? You just yeah. talk to the guy who can build walls and the guy who can build the roof, that's it. <laughs> and then you got a house. <laughs> but that, that is different today with all this kind of technology, the heating, the, the AC and all that electrical and the plumbing and everything. This gets more and more complex. So there was actually no other choice to use design, CAD design, when you don't want to end up in total chaos in your project. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah not t- totally um yeah I, I i do agree with that like four years ago probably you stuck you didn't or you just do a quick sketch in a piece of paper and uh, yeah. you can go for it like uh you had to you solve everything on the place and uh yeah and it's, it was typically like that but uh even the construction side like nowadays i've seen how effective it is like uh, uh builders are actually uh reducing the, well, we are la- lacking of builders, people here in Mexico nowadays. Mm-hmm. And that's because the process has changed. Like, uh, it, it's not the same job that it used to be even for them. That is like a, another big, important part of the construction uh, process. And I I do believe that this is because of technology. Nowadays, they really need to understand what's like a floor plan. Mm-hmm. Back in the days, it was more like, a, I'll just explain it to you and that's it. I mean, still, we're all, I think we're still on a and a change of corp uh, on how we experience and how we work in the construction as well as in the cat tools. And, uh, but this comes like once we start like, using these cat tools, once we start like, having more complex projects, uh, so what, what are the differences that you have identified, for example, 10 years ago with the cat tools to the cat tools that we are using today? <laughs> I think the biggest uh,
1: change actually is really or and only uh, the integration of BIM. And that's it. I mean, um, and BIM in that sense meant just to integrate data into the models. Before we just had stupid 3D models and drawings. And now, I wouldn't call them smart, but integrated with more information or attributes. So, a uh, wall knows it's a wall and that stuff. That's the biggest change, I guess, for the, for the last years. But um, I'm not at all
0: satisfied with that, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, what, what, what is lacking, still on and what, what would you wish to have?
1: Two things. I mean, um, when you look on how modern information technology, besides CAD, Works. I mean, when you look at a Google and all this stuff is doing, it's like first you have data, you collect data, but then is to process it. What do you do with that information? And that's totally lacking at the moment. Yeah. At the moment, it's, it's collecting data to get models that are enriched with data. But you have actually no idea still yet what to do with it. Um, you don't optimize it. There's nothing to do with it. Okay, you have a data model now, but so what? Yeah. I mean, it's it's okay for afterwards when the, 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 when the guy who operates the building, he knows, okay, this window was produced by blah, 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 or whatever. So he can... Buys a new one if something is broken or something, but that's it. I mean, that's not the real purpose of uh, having a digital model with a lot of data, right? Yeah. Especially when designing. I mean, there's so much possibility what you can optimize it. And all the thing which is done currently is that with the BIM model checking that you do clash detection and that you s- look that maybe uh, the most advanced stuff is that you 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 make sure that every room is close enough to a, to a staircase or something but is that really all
0: <laughs> come on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I totally understand that. Like, uh, I had the chance to, to be in a course a couple of years ago, like two years ago. And, uh, it was more, more, it was mainly about programming, but programming for the construction. And, uh, and we were do this exercise about, uh, program, uh, uh, well, just like a brief example to understand like the capacity of machine learning for, uh, for construction. Uh, but uh, in the in this exercise that we did, uh, the person actually collects all the data from different uh, uh, buildings to extract the amount of AC uh, consumption they were using. Oh. So he he can train the models to understand how how the, all these buildings from different parts of the world actually behave. So. Oh. With this information, you can actually uh, predict and start to understand how to uh, find opportunities to reduce the yeah. consumption of AC for future buildings. So that's when I, uh, I mean, uh, for the exercise, I was really, I was really amazed to so start only with the with the first point about collecting the data and actually yeah. being able to have a, a platform where you can actually access uh, this information. Because yeah. I, tor- I totally agree that. Uh, one of the things that I, I still miss, well, we well, still missing in the industry of is data-driven design. Uh,
1: yeah. We
0: we may we put data in the buildings. We uh, we put all the information. We put all the models, but then uh, we cannot compare it really to be between buildings. Exactly. You know, we cannot see the hospital from I don't know from UK to Germany to Mexico to US Canada and compare what's the difference between them. If there's like similarities or. Yeah. And I think it, it's it should be that like well I hope in a couple of years we have more more data like access, access uh, somewhere okay. like uh, okay. uh, that we can we can use to take decisions because uh, otherwise uh, I also had the experience to work with someone that uh, for a while with someone that was uh, his specialty was in hospitals cool. and. Uh, he was kind of leading the direction of what to do in these type of projects because he he had the knowledge to it. But then I uh, I was thinking like how funny it is that it, if this person actually doesn't not have this knowledge. Like right now all the team is yeah <laughs> the, is screwed to be honest. Uh, we, yeah. we don't have a, a point on um, what decisions should we take. What's the best for for this and that. And at the end of the day the. Uh, the data was in his head, right? The, the yeah. information to use. And uh, I hope we can, we can actually start using that more in, in, in the future. I totally agree with that in, in your perspective. So everyone that is working with models nowadays also, I recommend you to start knowing, like, taking care of how you use the data in your projects. Because if you are a big company and you are doing a lot of models constantly and a lot of information, There's plenty of opportunity if you structure your information and you standardize your information for your future projects to have a better opportunity, just like uh, uh, Dominic was saying. So uh, so can this subject, like, uh, what what is, or how do you imagine that uh, data-driven design or the data in the future will help you in your projects? What type of uh, workflows do you imagine you can use if we actually have these type of predictions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so first, I, I think that
1: this future is still very far away, I have the feeling, because the the thing is that for, for really cool machine learning or whatever tools, you need really a lot of data, right? I mean, all, everything which is out there is now collecting then maybe 100, maybe 500 or max 1,000 building stuff, but that's it i mean when, when you look at stuff like chat which was trained like on a trillion pal- okay. parameters or as well dolly with so many images everything worldwide so we are far off that yet okay. and as bim is just is still not the standard out there so not everybody is building bim right so until you really have a really broad standard bim models that can be read and everything, because still everybody's doing his own kind of bim and everything yeah. it, it will take a long time until we are there but what i what I hope for in the future is um, first of all, what you already mentioned to get like better building design so you can compare and make suggestions and everything. but I would be already happy to avoid many, many mistakes happening in, mm-hmm. in nowadays so a friend of mine he, he he was a lawyer here in Frankfurt, and he is always like um, his lawyer for people who build houses, and he defends them against architects' mistakes. And he told me some of the mistakes some architects have done, and um, they were just amazing. And I don't really blame the architects because it was, for example, a young office just fresh from the from the university, and they started their own office, maybe five years' experience or something. Yeah, you make mistakes. But come on, when you're building a house and you trust such a young architect, okay, totally cool. but, then you get something and you have your life long, a building that has certain defects. <laughs> and that's just not cool. <laughs> and why, what, I mean, why isn't there software telling you, like, shouldn't do that? <laughs> well, are you really sure you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. And like, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, normally when, when we conceive the ideas, we're more about the creativity and yeah? We we tend to skip a lot of the actually technical and the daily life used to the the spaces and uh, yeah. and and that's that's also really funny like when you go to a new building and suddenly you enter the building and you already have like damages and it's just been there for like one month and it's yeah. because like this rain happened in the middle of the I don't know the process that they didn't I actually know. were able to uh, anticipate this type of moves and you already have like some walls that is just like a messy and so you're like whoa like i just spent all this money and yeah. i have this uh, defect the thing already in my house like just exactly uh, yeah it's, <laughs> yeah it's definitely not good yeah that's yeah. that's um uh, I, I i do believe that this is something else well that uh the the tools are missing right the, i mean yeah. uh for sure tools give you a facility to do some stuff which is more the digital environment. But when we talk about the real-life environment, um, how do you see the tools behaving for real-time environment, like for construction site uh, management tools and things like this? Uh, does they really help to avoid what we are supposed to avoid? Or do we still struggle with just uh, knowing the cost, and knowing the planning of the process? How do, how do you see these tools? Yeah. I guess both actually,
1: <laughs> I see really a lot of uh, potential for that in future as well, as well for project managers, but um, yeah, I hope that they will try to avoid many, many of these mistakes that we do nowadays and not only the design stage
0: for the planning, but as well on the construction side and yeah. Right. In your experience, you have been more in the design part of the projects, right? Yeah yeah and,
1: well in, in the late and detailed design stage yeah okay. so not the design of the, of the shaped yeah. uh, curves but design, the design development and construction design to construction. fabrication yeah.
0: okay and how do you try like based on your experience how, how easy is it for you to to share the information with the rest of the team for example once they're going to construct or build or fabricate uh, so you work with the tools to work with your uh, knowledge and your, your workflow and uh and when you go to the with the people that is going to build it is it easy for them to understand because of the tools or is more because of the workflow that you have prepared uh, for them to to follow up or what's your experience on that they didn't care at all about the workflow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care if we had a thousand people sitting there doing it manually or if it was done by a machine. They didn't care at all, as long as the result is good. <laughs> and, but in the, in the end, they're true, right? Okay. I don't care neither about the process. So, um, And we, in our company, Imagine Computation, we never told like, yeah, this is so cool what we're doing at the most advanced technology. Uh, This is super fast and super cheap or whatever. The thing that we always try to achieve is to make the result better, to make it more stable and less mistakes than a human being. Like when you have 100 good skilled engineers there, I mean, everybody has a bad day. The one had been drunken maybe or whatever, and then mistakes happen. That's just it. And that was always the idea for us that, if you program something, develop a cool tool. And of course, you need to debug a lot because if a machine makes a mistake and it makes it 1,000 times, that's yeah. even worse. <laughs> but when you when you really debug and make it quite bulletproof, then it's a really cool process and a very stable process.
0: And the, the, does it take a lot for Renzo in this case, uh, like having this scenario, to have a good result? Like uh i mean for example in in our in our company, we learn in every project, and every project is a different challenge uh mm. one compared to the other. the client is different and requirements are different mm. so we are always learning and, and 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 discovering what are the things that we can improve um and this has been like a constant evolution of years 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 of uh uh having maybe three steps correct and then going five back and then going another ten Correct. And then, you know, and it's, uh, but it has been a great experience and I'm, I'm really personally, I'm happy with the experience that we are, we, we, we achieve at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that we can improve more stuff that, uh, in the future will be easier, but, uh, how, how is, is it for you, Dominic, I mean, like after going to ETH and working in Rensselaer and all these companies, how do you see the, the evolution of the process and your workflow, your company, your site? Yeah. It definitely is the same. It's a, it's a
1: constant learning process and constant evolution in that way. I mean, that as we started in Imagine Computation with the first projects, it was always more or less like scripting, using Grasshopper, maybe a little bit of plugin programming and all that stuff. But then the company got bigger and bigger. It was quite often that not me and my partner were programmed anymore, so we had three or four code developers developing all time and engineers using the tools and using Grasshopper and scripting. And the complete process was a little bit shifting. In the beginning, it was about creating geometry and automating processes, And it got more and more into managing data as well, which took more and more time. So the larger the projects got, the the more focus was on how to handle large amounts of data and to process them and make them fit to the client's needs. That was Mm -hmm. a large step of it. And the way when we then founded our new company, Renzo, that's actually... um, Or the reason why we, we founded Renzo was... We found out that many of our clients ask us like, can we buy the tools that you use, the software that you use? Because there's nothing cool on the market and we would like to to get a new 3D software. And can we buy your tools? And we said, no, it's on development and not really ready to sell or whatever. But when we started thinking, maybe it's not a smart, maybe it's not the uh, worst idea to sell that. And so we started a company to develop our tool further to sell it. But before... Selling our own tools that we already developed, we thought, well, another thing is happening. I mean, we, we develop a lot of cool things that we could sell, but there's so many other people out there developing cool stuff. I mean, you have all these computational departments, you have this grasshopper people, dynamo people everywhere. Why is this stuff not spreading? Yeah. I mean, people are sharing grasshopper source code, totally fine, totally cool, but have you ever seen people that are non-GrassHopper users using that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And this is something that triggered us. I mean, there's so much people doing amazing stuff around the world and developing solutions for almost any kind of problem you might have. And this is something that we want to change now with Renzo. So we're trying to develop a solution that makes it possible to, to spread developed stuff in Grasshopper to all the rest of the CAD users as well.
0: Nice. Could you, could you give us a few examples of the tools that Grenso is developing so people that is listening to the podcast can, uh, if they are interested, they can know more about this? And,
1: uh, well, at see. the moment, it's, it's really just the one tool. And actually, it's the adaptive parts environment called. It's, it's currently a plugin for Rhino. And actually, it's not really a tool by itself, it is a tool to build tools. Okay. Um, so it, it's a framework. You, uh, with with our adaptive parts environment, you can take any Grasshopper thing and turn it into a CAD add-on or plugin. That's the main idea behind it. So it automatically creates a user interface. So anybody, any other user wh- who has no clue about using Grasshopper can use the tool, and it encapsulates it into so you don't share the source code anymore.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Sounds. Sounds flexible and sounds great for this uh, opportunity. Like you were saying, there's a lot of people out there that they are not using the tools because uh, they are not familiar with the environment. They haven't yeah. learned the, the environment, which is definitely like a, a big challenge as well. Like I, I remember myself when I started getting involved with the uh, visual programming and, and, and Python programming, which is uh, uh, the language that I use, uh, I'm talking about like, a couple of good years, like, just starting and testing and learning how to to do this, and then you have to mm-hmm. understand how the API works, and once you understand how the API works, yeah. then how can you use it inside the ISO the one, and it's just like a, I mean, I think all programmers out there, there's a, there's a moment when they say, like, oh, okay, it's enough, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. you get, like, a the most that you can, but it's impossible to keep track of all the tools at the same time. It's just uh, yeah. a lot of information. Uh, thanks, thanks for ChatGPT tools, kind of <laughs> that will help us to make it easier. But uh, yeah. but, it's, but still, like um, it's uh, it's it's a curve that uh, maybe in our case because we specialize in this type of uh, uh, work and we we have decided to follow this path it's normal for us to actually be involved in this but uh definitely someone that uh that is also in the same field that is so maybe you work and you sit next to him every day in the office or uh, you talk every day with him in the zoom meeting because now you work from home (laughs) Uh, Mm. so they and they are not familiar with the with the programming they don't have this type of skills but definitely if they have an easier tool that they can understand probably they will uh, um create the same type of workflows that uh, exactly. someone someone is creating for sure because the, the needs are really similar sometimes like once we are totally. in same, once, once we are there it's, it's kind of the same thing I mean there's uh, one guy i mean this
1: we just converted one thing into an adaptive part as well the, um, there was a very simple well simpler a uh, uh, solver for uh, creating parking lots I mean, this thing was done in Grasshopper by, I think, quite many people. So just simply you have a a boundary and you have access streets and all that stuff. And how to create a parking lot out of that is for someone who who knows Grasshopper and the rules. It's not the most difficult in the world. You need to put some effort into it. But then it would be cool if everybody has access to the tool, right? Because there are still people drawing (laughs) that stuff by hand.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, then uh, counting the lots
1: and all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, just one guy needs to develop a proper solution and needs yeah. to spread it. And tsk, that's it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah and that's uh, like actually a really good uh, uh, source of income uh,
1: as well. I mean, if you, if you, mean, if you do all, that tool properly, tool. right? I mean, w- when you when you can sell that tool, I mean, it doesn't need to be expensive, but. If you just sell it for something and you you save many, many hours for many, many people, <laughs> and yeah. then you can invest in really in making a really great tool yeah. so that really is helpful yeah.
0: no and, it, and that's totally true because uh i mean i had the I have some cases where we were doing uh, in projects that we had to automate some workflows to make it simpler and even even with my with one workflow that I create. Then I come to this other project and I'm like, okay, this is the same script. I just need to Ooh. change like two nodes, like two lines of code, and I will have the same result for a different break. And uh, and once you start realizing how common some of the problems that are, are in the projects, that's where you have a, an opportunity to actually find an automation workflow like, exactly. uh, that you can offer. Now, um, this, this comes with a quick advice for everyone. So. Uh, if you are actually finding and struggling with, the, with a repetitive task and you're ready to find it definitely there's like a way to automate it so try to try to find a way, try to reach someone that uh, can help you on that if you're not an expert on automation but uh, if you identify it it's because uh, definitely there's a way that we can that anyone can uh, automate the, the, the
1: task for you yeah, so true there's almost anything uh, possible to
0: automate. <laughs> yeah. Now, and now, uh, Dominic, what's how will you s- describe the tools versus the reality? Um, you know, tools. They sometimes you go to the to the software, you go to the to the experts, and they tell you, okay, this will be the best solution ever. And then you have reality and you're like, okay, reality, my, my knowledge didn't, or was not able to achieve the the results, but uh, sometimes it's because uh, maybe the result was really good, but the people in the site are not doing the correct interpretation for the result. Maybe what you have in your results is not what typically the people in construction site are used to work with uh, mm. sometimes we have like some uh, uh uh well differences on the on the on the uh, way we work so how how would you say like tools versus reality how would you compare it how will you see it actually uh, i think
1: there's quite a good match between the tools and the reality because i don't have the feeling that most of the tools out there promise too much uh, uh, but that's maybe as well the problem already because uh, they don't promise things that are actually possibly possible technology-wise. <laughs> so um, I think the industry as well, which is pretty non-digitalized, fits quite well to the tools they have at the moment. So I think it's quite a good match. Uh, sometimes I have the feeling that some of these new uh, digital companies promise more than they can deliver. For example, there's... Um, I don't know, have you heard of Sitesolve?
0: Not really, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's many of these new companies that uh, deliver a solution, like you have an urban area, urban site or something, and you can automatically create a building, do some optimization, calculation, and, I don't know, get the costs and all that. This is more for for developers. And Sitesolve is a tool similar like that, uh, developed by the Ramble, and uh, I don't know where, I think in London, in Rambo. And I just briefly talked to to um, architecture office, Henning Larsen, a couple of uh, days ago. And they they are part of Ramble as well. But they told me as well, they never use that tool. It's an awesome tool, but you cannot um, you can only create like L-shaped building, block buildings, or U-shaped buildings. They don't do that. <laughs> That's yeah. not in the architecture. <laughs> Real, so awesome tool, but not for their thing. And I think these kind of things happen too often. Like yeah. in theory, the tool is really cool, but then the
0: one use case you need, it's not working. <laughs> no, and, and this is actually so true. And I agree with you. A couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with a with a company where we are trying to collaborate with them, and we we were talking about a bit about master plan and mass planning for breaks and we came up with this same uh, uh, problem as well that we have some tools that are promising to develop all the blocks and all the uh, all the shapes of an analysis of the brick. but then and and this is a, a, the personal experience of the company not only are thinking about us like uh, they were like well yeah but uh, our company doesn't design this type of buildings they never use this type of like geometries in, a, in the mm-hmm. The planning I mean it's really cool that you can have like a pre-dimensional analysis in a fast way probably yeah. but uh, it's still like if the pre-dimensional analysis is far from what you're actually going to exactly. to, to create like then it's really uh, it's really lacking of of, uh, of uh, customization and, yeah. and and the simplicity of actually being able to To have the flexibility to adapt it to your needs. Exactly. uh, Sometimes technology can do that for you. Like, uh, if it's not proper design or proper um, developed, like uh, you ended up having like a like a small uh, calculator where you just do two plus two and that's it. But you don't have like Mm -hmm. the the flexibility maybe to do like uh, exponential mathematics Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a bit like that, I guess, in the tools. Totally agree with that. Like, um, yeah. what, what, where, that what are your needs?
1: That, that's why we, we, we shifted our, our own development at Imagine Computation for the how we design the tools for our projects as well. In the beginning, we always had this gigantic tool, like you click a button and it does everything, more or less. But yeah. then it got more and more complex and more and more complicated to change these tools and update and re, to re and there was no chance to reuse it. So at some point, we, we, we had really a shift in development. So we made more small steps. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, it was easier to take away off and just to change maybe one step in the row and as well to be able to reuse some of the steps for the next projects. And I guess that is for, as well needed for the future. And that's again um, what we are aiming to with this adaptive part environment, that people start... Building their own smart bricks. For example, if you would have that side solve thing as a, as a as one smart component, somebody other can reuse that but use it for their own geometry or something like that. But the underlying technology for calculation is still the same. And that's the main idea for that.
0: Yeah. And then this is a really clever way to actually create tools. Uh, I guess when we start doing tools and and this this example that you are mentioning, uh, I had a, like a similar experience when I started like doing my first codes. So I was like, "Oh, I can do everything in this one single piece of code." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then you're like, "I don't know." It's uh, with the, with the once you start like well, when you keep working and working and working on this, you realize that it's way better to just do a small code for one part, then you just yeah. do another small code for the second one, and then you. You have like different definitions that definitely you can use in different projects instead of just wanna wanna take everything in one in one in one line. Like uh, yeah, definitely. At the beginning, it's kind of fun, right? Like uh, the ambition. Yeah, but <laughs> you have the
1: one-click thing and everything yeah. is there,
0: but uh, not the smartest way to be honest. <laughs> Especially in construction, that is changing. Uh, yeah. You know, you finish and the you code have, uh, and they come with three hundred changes, and you're like, "Whoa!" Exactly. <laughs> Or,
1: you, you, I mean, you never have a project where you, one, fit, one rule fits all, right? You have always like, oh, damn, here's a beam that is within the structure, so you need to do something special. Or, oh, no, here's something else different.
0: And yeah. uh, where, where, where do you see tools going in the future, in the recent future, Dominic? What's the next step for, for the, the, for the CAT tools, for the citizens of CAT? Hmm.
1: The next step. Well well in our vision, how we imagine it, it would be really that um the current CAD tools that or CAD software that is out there is more like an operating system, let's say, and that many, many people out there develop bunch of hundreds of thousands of cool add-ons and tools. And everybody can pick his own tool set, because that's something that we don't like as well about many of the software products out there is like when they develop new features, it, they all get packed into one software package, right? I mean, wh- when you use Revit or AutoCAD or Rhino, it's it's all the same. How many percent of the tools you use usually? Five percent, ten percent? I don't know. But you pay the all, and it's get bigger and bigger and more expensive. But you just use small percentage of that. It would be way smarter if you have a cool like slim CAD tool. And then you add only the tools that you need and you pay only the tools that you need. <laughs> but these tools are then exactly the tools that you need and not just
0: drawing rectangles or something like that. Any, any advice for companies that are looking for tools to figure out in a fast way what tools are the best for them? Uh, no, I think at the moment there's nothing there at the moment. That's the,
1: that's the problem,
0: actually. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... This is good to know because uh, exploration is actually, and yeah. I mean, at least it happens a lot in Mexico that uh, companies they want the best tools, they want the best technology, but they don't even have an RD department inside their companies, yeah. so they don't have any any advisor for yeah. for this uh, type of workflow. So I do believe as well that uh, this is something important for for um, companies to consider, yeah. like. A, who can help me with the technology side of the projects, because yeah. there's high value on them, but definitely takes a while to figure out which tools... Totally. I mean, it's just you.
1: spoken word between people and uh, otherwise you need to listen what the software developers tell you, like Autodesk will tell it's Autodesk and McNeil mm. will, will tell it's Rhino and, yeah, but whom to believe, right? I just yeah. know, I don't know, who was it like Big or Henning Larsen or something, large architectural office in Europe as well, they... Um, they, they always used Rabbit, and I think they wanted then to switch to something from Nemechek Group or something and they did the switch because they thought, uh, they thought it was the better product and maybe it was as well but then the other problem was they couldn't find new people for that enough people for being able to use that software because like just there's Bunch of Revit people, but not enough for the other software. And that was another problem they didn't think of before. And so like six or seven years later, they switched back to Revit because, yeah, they couldn't hire enough people.
0: No, this is uh, it's actually another big problem in the, in, the, in the industry. And I totally agree. Like, um, I had a conversation with other guests here in the, in the, in the podcast, uh, and people... Are looking f- forward to go out from uh, traditional tools right now, like the most common uh, tools that everyone is using, like uh, Rhino, Revit, etc. Mm-hmm. But definitely, there's no one using in, like uh, well, not no one, but there's a, a lot of like a uh, uh, few options to go with uh, different tools. Even yeah. uh, I remember, like I used to listen when I saw like in. Uh, Familiar with Beam Beam environment, I used to listen a lot about Archicad. Now I hardly I hardly listen anything about Archicad. It it has uh, the tendency and what companies are using, what people is using, and just like we were saying as well, like it's so difficult also to keep up with all the tools that are coming out there. Like it's not it's not simple to just learn three software at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And and, and, you know, and, and companies are like, well, if you have like five five plus years experience in Rhino and you're an expert in this and you're like well yeah I can be an expert in this but yeah. <laughs> uh, depending on the level of expertise right exactly <laughs> it's, 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 it's so funny when they, when they put this in the series but um, but it, it's uh, it's true I, I, I guess for me my my recommendation and, and, and one good balance that I found is like Okay, try to see how much you can go outside the traditional tools or how much you, you need to depend on some tools. But at the same time, be realistic. Like if half of the world is using these tools, probably you're going to find more um, more market and more opportunity to find the people and the workflow and the, and, and the, uh, the plugins that you require inside these tools rather than yeah. outside these tools. Uh, I do believe that... Would, probably maybe in, in some years we will see a radical change again on the tools, just like we have seen it from uh, cat drawing to rabbit drawing to rhino drawing. And, but that was like a, a curve of like, we're talking about like 20 plus years. Uh, yeah. And I think it will be the same in the future. Like we will find a different software that we probably everyone in the world will see like, oh, okay, we go again for this now, but it's not something that, uh, that uh, I think is valuable to, to do, even, even myself, like with some companies going to Revit, uh, that is a common software, that is a common tool nowadays, uh, and some companies just struggle to go to Revit and yeah. understand how to use it, to, to write and stuff like that, and it's good that they are taking the step uh, to, to go for this, the use of these softwares, I don't know, they have the data of this, they want more control. They, they, they do this and, and that, but also be aware of that is a change that uh, if you have someone that actually helps you and advises you yeah. and gives you consultancy on this type of changes, it's way better than just uh, thinking that you can hire someone with experience of, uh, Hey, you know how to use Revit and that's it. You know? That's uh, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you can, you can ha- uh, save a lot of time, mistakes. And, and I think, like you summarized that really well today, Dominic. Like mistakes are are are, are something that is important to take care of because at the end of the day, mistakes are money, and yeah, you don't want to lose it in your company, right? Exactly, yeah. And it's it's very human to make mistakes, totally
1: fine. But uh, maybe software can help you at least a little bit to avoid them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally and to close off today any thoughts any thoughts about the the future of uh ai in the cat tools uh, dominic do you see a relation now that this topic is you know like all over media news and stuff mm. uh, do you see any 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 collaboration between ai and, and cat tools not at the moment to be
1: honest so mm-hmm. i mean what is going on there and all this Dolly generated images about architecture, in the end, it's images, right? It's yeah. it's super cool uh, to visualize things and all that stuff. Awesome. But um, that's far beyond having real applications. Um, so, as I said previously, I think before AI really comes into architecture or CAD industry, we will need to have data for that, proper data, that is structured data so AI can mm-hmm. can read it, can learn from it, and generate content out of it. As long as we don't have really large data amounts for that, the, that won't be happening too much. On the other hand, I mean, two years ago, if someone told you there will be an AI where everyone in the world can generate images or text prompts, you wouldn't have believed, believed that, right? Because right. suddenly it was there and... went super fast (laughs) it was like wow um so i'm curious about that i I would love to see that because i have absolutely no fear that that there will ever be something like an ai that automates the full process and humans are not necessary anymore and I, i once read it a couple of days ago somewhere in the internet not AI, not ai will replace your job a human using ai will replace your oh. job <laughs> and uh, that's totally true i think ai will be a super smart assistant that helps you avoiding problems to automate your processes to help you to assist you and that's uh, it you need to find a smart way to use it
0: yeah totally i i i was uh, I, you, I actually, actually I, I had read this this uh post and this code that you just mentioned and uh and one of the ways that I imagine AI or like the way that I translate it in my mind is like when we had Google at the first, uh, Google became like this assistant where you can actually start asking questions about anything and yeah. uh, maybe it not, doesn't work as an AI exactly, but it, it's definitely like the, the previous background of an AI, you know, like a, how can I make a wall in Revit? You type it and... And nowadays we see AI going like, how can I make a small code in Rabbit about it? And maybe it's a, a brief stuff, but but definitely you need some some sort of knowledge, some sort of background to understand if you, if it's actually writing writing the correct uh, code or not. You need to understand geometry in our case at least, or that yeah. in our case for building. Because if you ask me, let's do AI for marketing, I don't know nothing about marketing, <laughs> no, and, <yeah. laughs> and probably yeah. it's not something that. Uh, that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be sure that if AI is telling the truth or not, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, totally, I, I agree that it's it's going to be just a, a. It's not here to replace us. It's not here to 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 become like a Terminator movie or something yeah, like that. <laughs> at least not yet. It'll yeah. take a while. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Because just like you were saying about like these prompts creating images. Uh, yeah, two years ago, it was kind of hard to imagine this. Like everyone in the world, just typing a few questions and half an image, and mm. a good quality image was also like not just like a yeah a, a sun and a mountain and a tree, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll see how how this evolves, and and technology is here to help us definitely. Uh, that's something that uh, we we believe in in, in Navis uh, for AEC really? for the construction yeah. tools are an important and radical way of changing the how we work how we change uh, how we share information how we create our projects and definitely if you want to know more about technology how can you use it in your projects you can contact dominic sausinger and thanks for being with us today and if you have any questions i will leave the link for uh, for renzo and dominic in the in the comments in the the podcast episode so you can reach Dominique if you want to know more about the specific details on how to use technology how can you approach technology for your projects uh, definitely another expert in this field that can help you and can uh, improve the quality of your projects um, any any last words before we leave Dominique
1: um, yeah just to pick it up like uh, I totally liked your your comment you just said now with Uh, digital solutions are there to help you with the people and that's really sometimes some people out there forget they they think making something digital is the way to go for any case and that's not true so it quite often happened as well in in our history in Imagine Computation that some clients approach us hey can you plug in and automate this process and we told them no doesn't make sense because you're way faster doing it by hand (laughs) People tend to forget that it's it's not worth for everything to automate, but uh, you need to think about how to to use it in a smart way. That's the thing. Definitely, Definitely.
0: that's that's where the tricky part comes, and when you get closer with the experts uh, such as your company with Renson and companies that are, have had the experience with this before. Then you know when it's a good, when when do you have a good opportunity to actually automate and and improve your product instead of just uh, trying to automate the world without. Exactly. Exactly. And that's it. Perfect. Dominic, thanks for being with us again and sharing your experience with us. Definitely a great episode again in in Avis. And uh, we'll see you next time with more information and more technology advice. Thanks so much, Samuel. Thanks for your time. Thanks.
1: Bye. Bye.